sassy smut kittens i am your host hallie and welcome back to another episode of let's talk about smut as many of you know my lovely co-host taylor is out for a few weeks welcoming her new baby to the world but she will be back soon and in the meantime i'm super excited to introduce my guest host this season the amazing and stunning bookish big (laughs) sis and bookstagrammer at the well red lex lex kelly welcome lex to the show Hello, thank you. You're here. I'm here. Woo. I'm so excited. I'm very excited for this. I, we have been wanting to do this for so long. <sighs> I'm ready. No, we um, we met on Bookstagram. Like, we're not so you meet people these days. <laughs> yeah. Like, everyone has the Bookstagram friends. Um, so you have a Bookstagram account. How long have you been on Bookstagram? Um, I think, like, almost year August-ish. August-ish. That's about, that's about us, too. That's about us too. What brought you to Bookstagram? How'd you hear about um, it? A friend of mine, actually. I was reading from Blood and Ash and talking to so many people that didn't care about it at all and like making it weird. And then my I found a You're friend who- a weird I, book nerd. Yeah, got it. <laughs> Same. Really doing it. I was like, guys, you don't understand. You need to read this it's book. really good. Okay? <laughs> I'm freaking out. You need actually, to learn about the joining. <laughs> oh gosh. The joining. Don't worry. That was a whole other episode. That's a whole um, other episode we will get to. Um, yeah. So I actually had a in real life friend who also was all about fantasy and all the things that she knew about Bookstagram. And she, but her Bookstagram was like secret. It wasn't secret, but it was just not like widely shared. And yeah. so she like unveiled it to me one day and I was like, what? It's like her little Fensta. Yes. And so it was like, she opened my eyes to this whole new world. And then I didn't do anything with it at first. And then I was like playing with the idea of doing it. And then I finally just bit the bullet and did it. But if you, I haven't deleted anything. I think I won't probably leave it. But if you scroll way back on my bookstagram, it's like a whole nother, (laughs) it's like a whole nother world. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, I think my first picture is like um, of the aisles of this used bookstore I found in Ukaipa. And then there's like one of my kids in the library. And then I found Smut and Kindle Unlimited. And then they took like a whole other. And you're like, okay, never mind. <laughs> I, I like, have done my niche. This is where yeah. I need to be. This is not where my kids are going to be featured. <laughs> <laughs> you can remove the kids now. Yeah. <laughs> Wait to get the stocking now. I'm going to send you like the funny uh, aisle pictures. It's not cute. It's. <laughs> it's not cute but it's I think like I just thought oh I just post pictures of like book related things I just didn't really know what it was you know yeah. I still didn't really get it and then I like the first people I I've found been here for a year like, I still don't get it I still don't really get it obviously so. I don't either and now I'm making reels in my car <laughs> like so I don't know quickies in the car um if you quickies don't in follow the car. Lex you need to because she's starting her new segment on quickies in the car and you need to be here it and you need to be a part of it There'll probably um, be a new one tomorrow because I'm going to the grocery store. So that'll be the next time I'm alone. <laughs> I love this journey for you. I truly Thank do. You, you have Thank found you. your like little niche on your page now. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so Bookstagram is how we connected. Um, I honestly think like one day I just started like sliding into your DMs or like you slid into mine. I don't know. Um, we bonded over probably, Rowan. 
I'm sure. That's what it was. And that is what has led us to today. Mm-hmm. Today, we are dedicating this episode to Sarah J. Mass and her series. And Rowan Un- Whitehorn. Unlike Taylor, Lex has <laughs> finally finished Stone of Glass. Lex is listening. I mean, not Lex. Uh, Taylor is listening. So she's going to hear me call her out again. It's been two years. <laughs> I need her to finish. I need her to finish the series. Um, so we both have read all of her books, Bonded Over Our Love, Return of Glass, and Akatar specifically. We mm-hmm. like Crescent City. It's just like Crescent City's more kind of new. We're still kind of dipping our toe in on Crescent City. Oh, since we're doing call outs, how's, the, how's going uh, Crescent City 2 for you? Um, you know, I started <laughs> and um, I got to like chapter 16 and I was like, not now. <laughs> not now. This is not the time for this. Give me something darker. Yeah. And I like kind of got like pissy because I, it was my own fault. I went on TikTok and I went on her bookstagram. I knew better. And I started seeing spoilers. And so I know like ultimately like kind of what happens. And then I was like, huh, whatever. I don't need to, I don't need to read it then. Um, and then I started reading it, got chapter 16 and I found out a couple things so far. And I was kind of like, where the hell is this going? So then I was like, you know what? I'm not in the mood. <laughs> we're not going to ruin this. Um, we're going to put it on pause. And I've seen what I need to see. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately no. Immediately no. Also, I feel like I finished it and I still am like, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. But immediately I feel this after. Way about Akatar too, um, which is maybe another reason why you and I both love, I think, Donald Glass more than like any of the other series is because it is complete. Mm. Like, we know from start, well, for the most part, <sighs> it is complete. Yeah. For now, it is complete. I don't, I don't um, trust her. <laughs> I don't trust her either. For now is complete. And so then I can like fully judge the whole thing. I know what to expect now and it's done. Um, yeah. Akatar and Throne of Glass, I mean, Akatar and Crescent City, I can't really like compare, even though I do, but it's like, we don't know where it's going to go and how she's going to wrap it up. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but for this episode, we're going to mainly be talking about Throne of Glass and Akatar. Um, we're not really going to dive too much into Crescent City. Again, I haven't finished it, so I won't even know what's going on. Um, I couldn't dive into it if I wanted to, honestly. It's like a science experiment. Yeah, there's too many like unknowns going. I can't even process it right now. Um, so yeah, today we're going to sit back and relax, have some have some cocktails, and finally have our in-depth chat and nerd out Woo. to Sarah J. Mass because... Uh. Yes. This has been hard because you and I will start conversations about it and then we'll immediately be like, no, 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 stop. Save it for the podcast when we record. <laughs> yep. It is hard. So we're going to be talking about our favorite books of the series, favorite characters, the hot takes, all of our thoughts on it. But for now, this is your spoiler warning. If you have not read Throne of Glass or Akatar, this is your official spoiler warning. Get out of here. Go read them. Come back and listen. Or if you don't mind spoilers, then... That's your decision. Hang around. Yes. Otherwise, look away. First of all, all, let's start out overview. Wait, let me hear what. Rowan is taller than Reese, and it feels like it's very important. Did I say that? Okay. It's a fact. He's the tallest. I'm. I'm going to assume Throne of Glass (laughs) is your pick over Akatar and Crescent City. Yeah, but I have a lot to say about that. So if you don't want to, how did you, you said you want to do overview. So to start there because I have like actually overview like. Overview of the three series. 
what's your favorite? So yes, Throne of Cloth is my favorite, but I feel like it's my favorite. Well, I think it's the best, but from like a, an actual literary standpoint, right? Like, I think it has like the best like plot structure. It has the best twists and turns and it just has so much more to it. It's an epic fantasy though. So I feel like it's almost like kind of unfair to compare it to at least a speci- um, specifically Akatar because Akatar to me is more like romanticy. It seems which I just, very different to me. So different. It's like, they, okay, I love Akatar, so don't get me wrong at all of this, but it just, it's very much more focused on like the romance and the relationships play a much more leading role than, you know, any of like the fantasy aspects or the plot or like, you know, whatever. And so like, you can't even really compare, I feel like, well, you can't, you're doing it currently, <laughs> comparing Akatar and the plot. We're going to try to. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like, I love, I mean, Throne of Glass is just, it is an epic fantasy, but it's just, it's epic as well. Like it's, it's, it's so, so much. It's oh the my world gosh. building. It's all yes. the different characters that you meet and you fall in love with. It's so many different stories all coming together. The character development, the plot devices, all the things. I mean, obviously like I could, like Sarah J. Mass is the queen of a character arc, like in, you know, character development. But Throne of Glasses takes like a whole nother level of like taking you on that journey and just, oh man, I, I feel like if, I know you don't do Audible that much, but I will say this, the Audible versions of these books, like you, the narrator they have for it, it's just unreal. It's like breathtaking. Maybe I'm Throne read of Glass because I have already read it, I think twice maybe but like uh-huh. every now and again it's third of glass has become like my comfort read it's very Same. but lord of the rings is also like my comfort movie i swear every weekend while i do laundry i turn on lord of the rings because i just love it so much and so maybe i'll do the audibles now like when i'm just like around the house cleaning i'll just like do the third of glass you should audibles now it's Even like i hate audibles i'll try <laughs> yeah you have to kind of definitely audible you have to like settle into it a little bit you have to accept it, but then like, I feel like after a little bit, your brain just kind of like accepts it all. Like you really hear a male voice, even though it's technically a woman doing a male. I don't know. It just happens. And obviously oh. it's like top notch. Uh, Wait, it's part. a woman being a male. Yeah. I mean, look, there oh, are God. audibles out there where that's not the case. Um, <laughs> are you telling me a girl is going to lower her voice and be ruined? Cause I might, I might. <laughs> She does it. And you know what? She narrated that beach scene for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no. Rowan is not a Southern California surfer, but he's uh, I don't know. I don't know why. My brain is accepting. And also I've read so many times that I've already played it out the way I need to, that maybe I can just accept it. Like it's just I bet you can. That's what it is. I bet you can. It just Um, delivers the emotional impact like something crazy. So yeah, yeah, to me, it's- but did you, did you read Akatar before Throne of Glass? Like, what was your reading order of the series? Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of a hot mess, but so the same friend that introduced me to Bookstagram also introduced me to Akatar. Cause after I finished from Blood and Ash, I was like, what happened now? Where do See, I that's here? interesting because I also read from Blood and Ash before Akatar. Oh, look at us. Yeah. And so anyways, my friend, the same friend suggested to me to read Akatar. Akatar. So I read 
the first book I've read Akatar and I freaking hated it. I hated it with a fiery passion. I hated Tamlin. Like I understand that like a lot of you people hated like Tamlin, Tamlin in the first one. Okay. So this book to me, I was so angry. It made no sense to me. I was like this girl. I was like, no, Farah, you are doing way too much for this fool. He hasn't done shit. I get it. You put your house up, your friend, your family up in like house or whatever, but like you are doing too much, sis. He's doing nothing. I could not handle it. That is so interesting because I oh. was the girl that was totally buying into like tampon was like ride or die, like forever. I was here no, for and it all. I was not into it all. And this is before I even knew, like, I didn't know anything about Sarah Dress. I didn't know that like the blonde guy is never going to be the one. <laughs> I didn't know I that she didn't be first well. love. Like, I didn't know any of those things for her. And so like, I just literally was like, I don't know why you like this book. This is awful. This is like, nobody should love this guy. <laughs> Not no one should love him. It's just that like, you're too good for him. For you. No, and I was just- You know like, what it was? Like, you had a sixth sense and you saw through the bullshit. That's what I mean, it was. I, well, and she's like my kind of girl, like at least who she, like, okay, well, I love Thera, but like, she's my kind of girl, especially who she was in- like, you know, before she gets into like his land and stuff, like she's out, she's doing the thing. Like she's providing for her family and all that stuff. I mean, I'm gonna stay at home mom. So I'm not technically providing for my family, but you know what I mean? Like, I love that she's like you out there. Are, care you are them. providing for your family. Yeah, so I'm like, I definitely will get, I handle ish. Right. So like, I'm super tomboy, like whatever. So like, I was so into her and I just love that she was like, the character is like, I'm gonna, like, she figured everything out. And I just felt like, him sitting there next to Amarantha the whole time. I was like, how is this fool ever going to be like someone she can truly respect once, once we're home and we've saved this and we've done all the thing. Like, how is she supposed yeah. to like be into this guy? So I was over Akatar, and then she, my friend had same friend had said, um, you know, okay, do throne of glass. So then I, Oh, I you stopped I just, after Akatar. I dropped Akatar, and I think I just went all the way through Throne of Glass. That is and so then I interesting. And at that point, then I somewhere in there, I got into Bookstagram, and obviously, like Akatar, like reigns supreme on Bookstagram. Yes. And I needed something else, so then I was like, she's she had convinced me, like, just go back, just try it again. And I was like, okay, fine. Actually, this is all still pre book, pre me creating my Bookstagram. Um, and so then I went back. And then obviously, then when you read like Akamath, it's like, oh, what is this world? <laughs> oh, it's you like Akamath is really book oh. one. Like Akatar is the prequel. Akamath yes. is actually book one. That's the thing that's so hard is like, I've tried to get, like, I always try to get some of my friends who read like contemporary romance to try Akatar, but it's so hard because it's like, I'm not asking you to commit to one book. I'm asking you to commit to at least two. Because once I get you to read Akamath, then two. I know you're- yeah. big books. Yeah. Well, and Akatar so, is not. Akamath. Akatar is not. Akamath like is pretty. Are you pretty it? thick? Yeah, the camera <laughs> shop. Akamath is pretty thick. If you're not like used yeah, to like, reading and like, no, and if you're doing like, or if you're doing book. like, one of my friends that I'm thinking about in particular that is currently has my Akatar book at her house, and I'm pretty sure who probably has not touched it. That's just fine. She, she reads. I'm so kidding. That's a joke. That was so a joke. <laughs> she's like my I, I love it because I love that I can like she gets books I love that I can have bookish talks with her right but she's like definitely more contemporary romance De Colleen Hoover loves all she loves getting in the fields and like she loves the journey that she takes you on which I would don't you want to just read. shake her and be like do you know what's coming if you just sit down and react like so well, it's many like, fields it's so, so many much pressure too she told me I could give her a fantasy book to read but so then it was like all this pressure to like which one do you give you know, and Akatar is not the answer. It, it's not the answer because because 
Akatar means you have like you have to read Akamath, but you have to read Akatar to read. To. And so that's that's why it's not the answer. If it wasn't for that, it would be the answer, but it's not the answer. But I did still give it to her anyways. <laughs> but it's like it's hard because you're asking people to commit to two books. So, anyways, yeah. Then obviously I went through Akatar and was just like, oh, okay. Like, and I got learned it. so much. And then somewhere along there, that's when I got Bookstagram. And then I was like, oh, this is a very typical journey or somewhat typical journey. I think most yeah. people don't hate Tamlin. I think what's interesting is most people don't dislike Tamlin as strongly as I did in Akatar. But I right. feel like I don't dislike Tamlin as strongly as a lot of people do after reading the whole thing. So that's like kind of an interesting journey to take, I guess. Yeah. So I was the same way. I did, well, kind of. I did the entire Akatar, I think until Akawar. Um, and then I got into Throne of Glass. But I find that people normally, what I find is people who start with Akatar and then go to Throne of Glass love Akatar more. People who start with Throne of Glass first love Throne of Glass more. I think we're like mm. a little bit of the opposite there. Um, I feel like I have like, a theory on that. Ooh, let me hear. I it. think, I think honestly, like this is not really a big theory, but it's like I feel like a lot of people. Well, like for me, Throne of Glass. Prior to From Blood and Ash, I had never read like a fantasy fantasy series that had true smut in it and spice. Mm. So like, From Blood and Ash was like a freaking eyes bulging out of my head like what is this world I agree that was my first fantasy with smut like all of it together yeah yeah so I feel like if Throne of Glass had wasn't written for YA or it hadn't started that way I feel like it would be it would reign supreme above all other things in the world if it had more I agree and and the same thing goes for Rowan I feel like that's a big part of why it's underrated I agree we know how he gets down but not really I appreciate that it can stand on its own without it absolutely hundred percent. I agree. And yeah, I'm not one of those people that like, like, do I love smut? Absolutely. Do I want it most of the time? Absolutely. I don't need it for everything. Like I don't need people. Like I as do long as it has a good romance undertone, it can carry me through. Right. And people will like make me book recommendations and like, just, but just so you know, it's not like super heavy on smut. And like, personally, like if it doesn't have heavy smut, this is what I always tell my friends when I tell them to reach the grass, just keep some smut on the side. Just like have your KU on the side, read your throne of glass. And then before you go to bed, dip into some, you know, KU smut. I get it. I get like, and especially at this age, um, like there's no room in my life for some fade to black for the most part. So I mean, I, yeah. I get it. It can be a little, like I called it, what did I call it? I called it literary blue balls. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh yeah. Big anxiety. Exactly. It was just kind of like, if Rowan talks about that God's damn nightgown one more time and doesn't freaking put his hands under it, I'm going to freaking lose my mind. Do you ever find yourself when you, uh, like when you tell people about it? Cause I find myself doing this. When I find out someone has already read Akatar and they're like, should I read Throne of Glass? I'm always like, yes, you should. But I also find myself always giving this like paragraph warning of like, every time. <laughs> I'm like, here's the thing you have to understand. Um, she was 16 when she started this. So you need to have respect. Yeah. <laughs> whole process. It's, it is one of the ones that like, I find myself mm, most likely to get fired up about. <laughs> yeah. Um, Protect. I definitely, yes, hundred percent. For a lot of reasons, the 16 year old aspect, I didn't know that when I read it. And it does real bad things to my writing confidence. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, 
but I mean, it just shows you like how destined she was for this, but also keeping in mind like YA, I mean, YA is like a powerhouse for fantasy, you know, that whole like whatever genre. My daughter's, that's where my daughter's reading right now, which is like crazy to me um, that I like have birthed somebody that's reading YA. <laughs> like, how is that possible? But you're starting to I, like dip her toe in and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, I know, but here's the thing. She doesn't really want to read fantasy that much. She's like, I know she's like, really? I keep, I I buy every birthday, Christmas, all the things. I just buy her more fantasy books. Read this, read this. this. Here. Well, and she, I want her to read Throne of Glass and she can read the majority of it, but there obviously is like little parts where I'm just like, oh, we're just not quite there. She's going to be 13. And so she's just not quite ready. I think it's interesting Throne of Glass is YA. Like if you look from like a smut standpoint, like, yeah. But like, also, I think the themes in Throne of Glass though are very mature. Oh, like she could never cope with Assassin's Blade. Like that's more of the thing. Yeah, Yeah. it's more the emotionality. Like, right, I I mean, I can, we can skip the beach scene in Throne of Glass. Like there's the smut that is there. One, she can read, like she knows, okay, boys and girls, like girls and girls and boys and boys, whatever. Everybody's aware. Everybody gets in the bed together and she knows what's going on there. She doesn't need to read a detailed scene. So we could easily just bypass the beach scene, whatever. Like it's not a big deal or like, freaking dorian's shadow hands like i think Daddy, it's more dorian. about oh, baby. we will get into that in a minute yes. <laughs> but she can bypass all that it, it without it like you know causing any detriment to the actual story it's more of like yeah it's the emotionality of it and like some of those things that like she loves it though she's a four like you though she just wants to freaking the other night she turned on the tv and put on my girl okay and i was like She's never seen it before. And I was just like, Bobby never got there. I'm so proud of her for watching my girl though. I just have to know. Um, I'm so proud of her for watching my girl. She asked, she's like, can I watch this? And I was like, yeah, but, and Bobby was out there and he was like, I said, this is the one with the bees. Right. And I, and she, he was like, uh, he didn't remember what I was talking about. And I said, I just, just so you know, I don't think it has a happy ending. And she's like, oh, I don't care. And so then she's, so well, he had heard, to watch it. He wanted right. to be in his state of melancholy all the time. I am, I immediately checked out. I was like, okay, cool. You and dad can sit out here and watch this. I'm going to go read. And so that's what happened. And then he comes in the room. <laughs> he comes in the room, whatever, like right after the B incident happens, you know, and he goes, what the hell? That movie's so sad. He died. He asked her to like marry him. He went to go find the ring and then he dies. And he was like, F this movie. And he came in bed and she, she was like, he walks back out of here and go, you're still going to watch it. You're going to keep watching it. And she's like, yeah, dad, come out. It's the, she goes, yeah, dad, come out. It's time for the funeral. I was like, you it's freaking, the good like, part. she just wants to like, like, she's just a little baby masochist, yes. you know, like she just wants to get in there and go, yes. like, no, you're, you're eating this up. And I'm just like, oh, can I avoid all the emotions? How long can I avoid them for? No, thank you. Yeah, no, no it's you. so interesting. It's she, so interesting. Yes, that is yeah. such a. She wants to sit oh in it. God. So while she wants to sit in those emotions, I feel like giving her throne of glass is probably not the best parenting choice yet. Because <laughs> I want her to be able to like turn it off, put the book away. Let's not well allow this to dictate our entire mood for the week. Because then I have to clean that up. You know, I'm, I know, I know, I know. But also, like maybe but. it's her to read it. I don't know. <laughs> This well, and she, she's, I know. <laughs> oh man. No, this is what happens. Feelings. Let me uh, hurt you more. If you are not familiar with the Enneagram and your numbers, like this is what we're talking about. Fours, they just love to sit in those emotions. We should do a whole episode 
on Enneagrams and like book characters. Oh my gosh. I would love that because I love, oh, when I've read lots of Enneagram books and I love it, but being an eight, raising a four is like the joke of the universe. Like, wow. Thanks Jesus for that one. <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah, way to make it easy on me. But yeah. So, um, we're protective of our like, glass basically we're protective of basically long story short well it's gonna be the episode of like the most tangents ever um no we love tangents here because taylor and i get in tangents all the time well and if you want to not get in tangents you're going to need to schedule the time of recording for when my medication hasn't worn off because the ADD <laughs> kicks in strong <laughs> it's right around dinner time things start getting a little <laughs> i have to get lex in her squirrely state for you guys to yeah. be content okay <laughs> real squirrely up in here just like we voice them on each other all the time and i'm like wait what did i how did i start this where what was, was that going? again that's why i'm it's like so not relatable though it's so relatable that's what i love it's relatable <laughs> That's why I was not joking when I said, wait, what was the question? (laughs) Because I done forgot a long time ago. I probably forgot immediately, but it's fine. Um, Yeah, it's definitely the one that I'm like, I do feel a little bit like I'm prepping people, you know, like, I want you to read this. I want you to experience it. And if you don't like it, don't talk to me about it. <laughs> don't because tell. I feel like the first two books, I've had this experience multiple times. People read the they're first totally two different. books and they're like, I'm just not really feeling it. And I'm like, no, oh, Lord. just yeah. wait. <laughs> like, yeah. You can get to book three, you're done. Like you are done. Well, and this is why the question of reading order is so like, I it's important, hear, but what is, what is your reading order that you suggest? Okay. So my reading order that I did is, so this is a hard thing with Rona Glass. You can only read it for the first time once, right? So I read it for the first time, Throne of Glass to Kingdom of Ash with no Assassin's Blade. So I did that. And then I put off you reading. You waited Assassin's like a Blade. long time before you read Assassin's Blade. A long time. Okay. So the only reason I was why friends I read with you on Bookstagram when you finally read it. Absolutely. And I didn't have bookstagram originally when I read Throne of Glass. So, or I don't think. Um, so I read Assassin's Blade specifically for this episode. Like knowing that we were going to get here eventually is what caused me to finally be like, look, I got to do it. You know? And so I, I dove I in. I hung that carrot in front of you just so I could get you to read it. <laughs> oh, I mean, it works. I'm like, you got to take this seriously. Like, I can't have you on the show about third of class. Yeah. We don't like, We are a very professional podcast. Professional. Okay, we take this word take of the season. Yes, what? absolutely. Which I'm here for. And so I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta be on my A game. I gotta, I can't like go into this being like on a Sarah J. Mass podcast night, but I'm avoiding reading a thousand blade. So I read it. So here is, so here's the thing. So that's how I did it. I did it. Throne of Glass to Kingdom of Ash and then Assassin's Blade way down the road. We build up Assassin's Blade way, way, way too much for sure. We think it's going to be so much worse than it is. And it's made worse by the fact that we are so invested in this series that the thought of reading and becoming invested in Sam is just like sickening. Like we just can't because it hurts enough as it is. But that being said, Assassin's Blade is like the ultimate author redo. And I feel like so many authors understand this, like, or writers in general, like when you're writing a book, you're like, Ooh, I don't want to like put this out. And it's like, not as good as it could be. Right. Like it could always be like a little bit better. I feel like Assassin's Blade was basically Sarah J adult Sarah J Mass being like, if I had written this now, I would have added these few things in to give even more depth. 
mm-hmm. to all of the books. So that being said, I, I don't, I always tell people don't save it. Don't keep it for the end because you won't read it because you'll be scared to read it. So don't save it for sure. I also don't say like, don't read it first because it's kind of like, it gives you information that you don't need yet or you don't have a place for it yet, right? So then that is hard. So the reading order that I have, I've posted this on my Instagram before. Um, and I, so again, obviously I didn't read it this way. I had to write it down. Um, so let me find that I'm real like quick. Because I'm so passionate about this particular topic and. Oh, here we go. Okay. Let me hear it. Okay. So this is the order that I put out on my Instagram. I'm pretty sure this is considered, well, actually, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe considered the romantic version, but if it's not, that also exists. So I did Throne of Glass um, through, oh, wait, no. That says Kingdom of Ash. That's the last one. That doesn't make sense. Um, okay, so you read basically the first three. Okay. Then you pause for Assassin's Blade. Yes. <laughs> then oh okay, 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 yeah. Throne of glass through through air. Is that what it is? Yeah. Air okay. fire. Yeah. Then yeah. I was reading the wrong notes. And then Assassin's Blade. Then you're gonna do okay. So this is the then you're gonna do Queen of Shadows. Okay. Then but I don't I don't actually suggest this, but uh, I did suggest this, but now I'm taking it back a little bit. So then I said do a tandem read of um Empire Storms in Tower of Dawn. Now, I'm going to say this. Some people find Tower of Dawn to be, we're going to go, we're going to talk about this in a second, but some people find Tower of Dawn to be boring. And so that's why this tandem read is suggested because the characters split up and go their own ways, but it's all happening at the same time. So you can do a tandem read of those two, but I'm just going to be honest. I don't know a whole lot of people that have like that much brain power and time to like do that. But if you wanted to, that's an option. And that's on like online, you can like because the Google, tandem Cameron read is hard if you're doing it on Kindle or Audible. Like you almost have to yeah. have the physical copies to do the tandem. And even still, you're right? like stopping and stopping and stopping and going and stop, and it just messes up the flow. Right. So even though I, I suggest it and I, I suggested it mainly because a lot of people have feelings about Tower of Dawn, but Let's I don't have Tower those feelings. Tower of Dawn okay. gets too much hate. I I believe well, Tower of Dawn gets after too much the hate. tandem read. After the tandem read, it's just Kingdom of Ash. Right. So yeah, and so okay, yeah. So is that the same? That is also my reading order, and I'm so passionate about it. But I also read it the same way you did. I read the entire series because I didn't have Book Talk yet, I or Bookstagram. I didn't know this was like a huge series. I was just going on like Kindle recommendations, and it was like, oh, I love this. I love Akatar. Let me do this. So I didn't know when that uh, Assassin's Blade like really played in, and so I did. I guess technically publication (laughs) order is that. I think that's publication order because she wrote yeah. Assassin's Blade last, I think. And then when I found out Assassin's Blade was really a collection of all the novellas, I was like, no, like, I'm just going to wait. I'm too into it now. I got to, we're yeah. not going to stop now. Like you said, so yeah. I did the same reading order you did initially. And then when I went back and processed it, I remember vividly finishing Assassin's Blade and thinking, I wish I would have known all the things about Arabin and Sam before I went into Queen of Shadows because I already had such big feelings for Queen of Shadows, but imagine how much, like when you get the whole backstory. And then whenever, um, what's the girl, the red hair girl, her name starts with an A, oh my God. Um, 
Yeah, I was just looking that up right now too. Briarcliff, right? Um, yes. What's her first name? It's like. Shit, what is her name? We're so Ansel. It's not Ansel, right? No. Uh, it's something, something like, like that. that. Uh, Shit, whatever go. her name is, the red haired girl that she saved an arrow for. Yeah, it's Ansel. Um, Ansel, it's yes. Ansel. Yeah. So then, like, learning all of that, and then she comes in. See, she was the standout storms. of me. She was, yeah. She was the standout for me of the entire of Assassin's Blade. So that to me was like, okay, yes, is what goes down with Sam hard? Of course it's hard and it hurts. We I did absolutely that. cry. We knew it was going to suck. It didn't suck nearly as bad as I thought it was going to. But the stuff with Ansel sucked more than I expected it to. And that was I such like a, that surprised the crap out of me. And having that context, because then when you get to Kingdom of, is it Kingdom of Asher or is it Empire of Storms? Whatever the one Empire where she- Storm, The end of Empire of Storms, she comes back. She shows mm-hmm. up. But they talk about how she withheld the arrow for, gave her one extra minute. Yes. So then when you see, when Ansel shows up, and you're like the impact of Ansel showing up. Like this is why I want people to read Assassin's Blade somewhere before that, because the impact of Ansel showing up and like there's not any kind of like closure in that relationship after mm-hmm. what goes down. So mm-hmm. when you have that knowledge, it's very impactful her showing up and the way they interact, and then just seeing like that to me, she was it. So it hurt because that was her first real friend. That was like a true real friendship to her oh, okay so anyways that hurt bad so yeah okay so we're on the that same hurt bad, so that hurt bad. it hurt bad and like I I haven't talked about this enough but I'm like I would love for Sarah J Mass like take all my money and just do some like where are they now novellas <laughs> okay like you know your favorite I like Manon Blackbeak novella oh see I want it for like well, even like for like Ansel and stuff like I, or well, and for me, I, I feel like now we're getting into Tower of Dawn territory. So we should just go full Tower of Dawn, but I want it for Nezrin and Sartak because do not, like, I get it. Everybody wants I to know what we're going to finally disagree on something here. Everybody this wants is to new know. guys. So basically Lex and I are like 78% twins. Um, mm-hmm. So when we, we have like really disagreed. I think the Nesrin thing we're going to disagree on. I'm interested. Continue. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about Tower of Dizon. So, and Kale. We might as well just lump them together since Kale is okay. Tower let's of Dizon. Let's do, whatever. so I have on our outline for the episode, I have this whole thing of like fandom hot takes. And the first one yeah. up, Kale sucks. What is your, that was first. What, what is, what is your decision? Kale sucks or he doesn't? Mm. You also are really, really, really funny reel on this. If you don't follow at Webber Lex, um, you shake it. So. <laughs> she yeah, has a I feel really, like really good kale reel on this. My so I will just be honest, like my reels tend to reflect popular opinion more than personal opinion, just because it's right. fun. Like ne- right. like kale and Elaine are easy targets. I'm sorry, low hanging fruit. What do you want me to do? Are, I got very they really I have are. minimal free time. And if I'm gonna make a reel, I, I can't take a, I can't think too hard about it. <laughs> okay. So like but my I think Elaine always... deserves more of it than Kale. I will say that. Elaine deserves okay. more shit. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. We'll I mean, he's less we'll get there. at this point. Yeah. So right. okay. Kale sucks. I don't I okay. So my whole thing with Kale is like. I think he he kind of sucks, but like 
not for the reasons why people mostly think he sucks. And I don't think he, I think he sucks as much as most people do. So I, I like him less for the, for the way he was with Nezrin than the way he was with Aelin. And even oh, including, really? even and, and including Nehemia. So whatever, put me on a stake, light my empire. But um, I no, feel I, like- I think uh, Queen of Shadows, the way he treated Aelin and then what he did with Nehemia, I agree. I I was in a full fuck kale movement. Right. Fuck kale movement. Um, continue. I, I agree there. Continue. I think, well- It's a journey I don't, I don't with want- kale. I think it's a journey. One is just like it's it's very similar to the the tampon journey. So it's and similar the in a sense. journey. The Nessa journey is yes, and less it's yeah, I don't, I don't even know, but yeah. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> I feel like Kaol is so I have multiple thoughts about him. I, I didn't like know. the way um, he was Lex came very prepared. Okay, prepared so if you hear this. This is yeah. my notes. If you can hear this, okay. These are, I, I can't want everyone to know she she took this job very seriously. You said professional, okay? So here Board I am. of the season. She's here. Yeah. Continue, continue. Um, and I have to handwrite my notes because that's that's on ADHD. <laughs> like I, otherwise I'll forget <laughs> everything. Um, so I do feel like he. People say he sucks because of the way he treated Aelin, right? I feel like if you think he sucks, it's kind of more about him, like his personality. He was extremely self-sacrificing, um, like almost to the point of like, oh, what was me? Like, I had to have to like do this thing or whatever. Um, but I feel like, okay, so my way I imagine him is like, you are Aelin, imagine. And you are meant for like, greatness amazing thing right. but you currently live in a very small little country town and kayal is the boy you dated throughout high school and you are just meant for bigger and better and you are and it comes down to like your choices are either you leave him behind and you go and you become all that you're meant to become and once in a while you think about him and you wonder what might have been and maybe you miss him a little bit and you're kind of a little bit sad because who knows. But on the flip side is you stay in your small town and you marry him and have nine of his children and you resent him by the time you're 35 because you have all of this that you were meant to be inside you. So like he was always meant to be that like small town boy that gets He was meant behind. to be the first love. Exactly. He was meant to be who he really was. And he, he goes on to play a role and they have different, Aelin and him have different life experiences, vastly different life experiences, vastly different. I mean, it's, I start to get a little weird taking, talking about <laughs> fictional characters and like family of origin and like, you know, like all this, like no, stuff my talking about. Nobody's very real to me, so. <laughs> right, they're very they're, real. So they're pretending they're very real. real. human beings in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I do feel like, um, he just, he played the role he was meant to play. Um, I also feel like he, he ends up with the person he's meant to end up with because, you know, Irene, she, as much as she has 
so she's like the other girl where like she also is amazing and capable of amazing things but she wants that small town life and she will never resent him for bearing his 95 children and just living on the farm the rest of their life and being his wife like she's fulfilled by that and the thing that I think is so beautiful about that is I mean, if you just think about like, even what you and I have been talking about lately with like the dichotomy of like life stages and all these different things is like, there, neither one is wrong. Being like a high powered lady boss and doing the thing or being a stay at home mom, neither one is wrong, but like one is right for you. And I do feel like they're both, you can feel absolutely fulfilled in both. And like, I just feel like Irene, 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 whatever how you say her name. I feel like she is one of those people that like she did the thing. She's she's had this life adventure. She's done all these crazy things. And so has Kale, for that matter. He by the end of Kingdom of Ash, like they've done been through all the shit. And now they just want a simple life. And just she's Aelin's just not meant for a simple life. And yeah. they can build that perfectly together. So I don't feel like he sucks. I feel like we don't it's like some of his behavior. But Right. And we give, I feel like if you're going to say chaos sucks because of his behavior, I mean, come on, like Aelin was a literal assassin. Like, I do feel like it's a little bit unfair to like judge him on like, oh, we don't like the way he did this or he did that or the way he acted about Nehemia. He was kind of doing his job and he was like 12. <laughs> yeah. Aelin um, definitely has her faults, uh, which she needs to have faults because then you're relatable and you get to see the, the growth that she goes through. But here's my thing with Kale. I did, um, absolutely despise him in queen of shadows um it took me a very long time to come around yeah. back to him yeah um but i think that's why it's important to read tower of dawn even though a lot of people either skip it or like bitch about it but i don't understand skipping tower of dawn. how can you because the end is so paramount whatever whatever um <laughs> another take i get from kale though from like a writer standpoint it's like kale is the only I mean like big character that is full human in this Mm. world he has nothing so how to me it's very realistic in a sense of to me it added an extra layer of depth to this story in a different point of view in the sense Mm -hmm. of like Dorian as we know isn't full human he does have his powers and then you have Aelin, yeah. then you have Rowan, then you have like all the freaking cadre that comes in. Then you even, I say Irene, Irene's a healer. She has a mystical property to her, all these other big characters. And you have to understand that with Kale and his character, he is, he reminds me actually very much of my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he's right or wrong, black and white, like yep. good and evil he he is structure and he is stability and there's a there's a process for a process and that's where his comfort is and he's the only human in this world where not everyone around him is like changing the whole playing field and well I, so yeah he I never grew up like that. that right right yeah his whole world is changing as a human and he's not everybody around him is changing and the only things that made him special he's now lost exactly you know? so then so, when i think about it on that I had to do the entire series to come to that conclusion. <laughs> I mean, if I never, I do, it's not like I never had moments where I, I felt like I hated him, but it's when you're done and you reflect back that you're like, okay. It was like, a very important part of the story and it added absolutely. a whole other level of depth to it, I think. You and can't like, not have him in there. Reality for sure. to it. Reality yeah. and fantasy. Like that to me was the most real 
thing in this fantasy world was how Kale was acting. Like, and I think we come at we can't we come we can't and we do come to Throne of Glass from a romantic standpoint. And Kale's main relationship is not his relationship to Elon. It's his his relationship to Dorian. And if you look I at agree. it from that aspect, like he the way he loves Dorian and vice versa, yes. they are so, they are necessary for each other. Not, they, it's not even about yes. Aelin. It's about what role do they play to each other? You can't not have Kaol in the story, even just for the sake of Dorian. He's Dorian's humanity when he's almost lost it. You know what I mean? And so I yes. feel like that's the, I mean, obviously Irene and him, like build this beautiful relationship, whatever, but like for the majority of the series, like it's, it's more about Kaol and Dorian. It's about and, the like, romance. And I think honestly, like if you think 100% about the romance, if you think about it from that aspect, Aelin was like, oh, we want to think like, oh, Dorian and, and Kale are just supporting characters in Aelin's story. No, Aelin is a support, is like a plot device for the Kale and Dorian story. And the fact that, like, as well, they're like teenagers, kind of like late teens when they first are all free together. Yep. She's just the, like, that's a very, very, especially if you think about Sarah J. Mass being early 20s maybe when she wrote was really right or even late teens writing this she's writing about a bromance and a girl coming between two best friends and it's like Aelin is really just kind of like a piece of their story from that aspect which I freaking love in that aspect because like they have to overcome loving the same girl for the first time you know what I mean and like that what a what a like pivotal moment in life you know what I mean like I'm not a boy, but I feel like all boys go through that. I feel like even like your girlfriends when you're really the, young. The, that to that me, age. I would assume it's the ultimate test of a friendship. And I think we would know this as girls too, like, yeah. especially high school girls, like God forbid you are going to have that moment where you and your friend are after the same boy or girl, girl or whoever. Yeah. And to me, it is kind of like this like ultimate test. And then you take into consideration, like you said, she wrote it at the time she wrote it. And like what a reflection of life in her stage yeah. of life and I really great like I think point. that it's a great thank point you, thank you love thank you. that bringing my professionalism that was tough you know thank you thank you so yeah I feel like when you take all that into consideration does Kale do shitty things yeah so does Aelin so does Dorian so do, I mean and all these other characters that we freaking love they all do shitty things and that my friends is what makes Throne of Glass so insanely epic all these characters magic or not are freaking human and they do shit that you don't like and the other people don't like but we forgive other characters take me to church today we forgive everybody else (laughs) we just forgive everybody else and we 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 always tend to pick somebody that we can't we're gonna pick sides yeah and even and yeah, anyway, so yeah, from a writing standpoint, there's also the whole like plot device of like, if, if he, we had always loved Kale, it would make it harder for it her to leave, which she has flat. to leave. I think the story would fall flat if you were always supposed to do that, then like. And it's and a coming think, of age wrapped in a fantasy. Yes, and also like if you were always supposed to like love Kale and he didn't do something like super quote unquote bad, whatever. I don't think readers would have fallen for Rowan the way they did. Like it was almost like that was the green light of like, we can let this go because Kale and Aelin did have a very substantial relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wish that one didn't fade to black. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I wish that didn't fade to black. I want to know how that boy gets down. I'm just saying. 
it would have made me like and it also, a little more. I just like picture like just like very rigid like oh <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, but I feel like maybe he would have surprised us <laughs> I think he would surprise us with Irene because he had to get creative because he lost his legs. That's so bad. <laughs> if um, anything, read Tower of Dawn because to me, he gets everything he... Okay, maybe not deserve. You don't really deserve that. But like, you, you know, get you, the redemption. If you don't like him, read it. Yeah. <laughs> right. If you okay. really hate him, you should read Tower of Dawn because he exactly. goes some shit. And Irene puts him through the fucking ringer okay that oh, girl is not like, here to play she's not here to play and then the um i don't remember all their names but then like sartak's whole family is about to like chew that boy up and spit him out like oh my gosh okay so tower of dawn don't skip it absolutely not but i understand people are like what lorkin did what what did lorkin did oh my god but here's my thing that is honestly a crime to humanity. And quite it frankly, is. if anyone, you know what? Scratch that. Scratch the rest of Batman. And if anyone deserves an extra bonus scene, it is a lead and Morgan. I say a lead. Also, we're probably going to pronounce names. Oh, totally yeah. That's fine. That's how I say elite. Elite, whatever. Um, elite but- and Morgan deserve that moment and that fade to black. I don't understand the thought process because I was a Lorcan stan. Okay, so, well, I have multiple things to say, but I also feel like considering, okay, considering all the things we know about Lorcan, and then all the things we know as avid smut readers, dude, Lorcan fucks like he's out of a dark romance, okay? You know he does. Lorcan so, would have tore it up. Okay. <laughs> and on top of that, I feel like- He's like the god of death. Like, he would have <laughs> tore that shit up. But here's the thing, Aline is sweet, all the things, right? So Hades and Persephone, give it to me. Give it to me. Oh my gosh. Put your dark romance hat on and tell me that he doesn't give Aline all her power back in the bedroom and that she doesn't become a freaking Lady Dom. Like, okay? Like, oh, this is fun. Oh, this is where she like gets all her confidence and all the things back they have. A whole You're your in their castle. You have all the power now. Why does she need a bun a strong ankle when she has a sex swing in her freaking sex room that they have in their castle? She doesn't need a good ankle. She doesn't need a good hey, ankle but, to be hey, off the ground. But I have um I'm torn though because I'm a big um fan of the theory that hot take. Okay, go. I don't know how you're going to feel about it. I'm a big fan of the fact that Gabriel shouldn't have died. It should have been Lorcan that died. Therefore, Manon and Alid would have actually become a couple. Okay. Well, okay. But I still love Lorcan and Alid. But like, if she would have given me, if she would have given me a Manon and Alid couple, I don't even know what I would have done. I have lots of thoughts on this. First, I have we have to finish the Tower of Dawn thought. First of all, oh, yeah, Tower yeah, of Dawn. Yeah. Sorry, sorry guys, <laughs> keep up. <laughs> Tower of Dawn. I feel like the sleeper couple is is Sartak and Nezrin. So nobody talks about them enough to me. I want to know what the shiz happened to them. I wanted that. I freaking am obsessed with Sartak and Nezrin. Kale, to me, his fault was the way he treated Nezrin. He just literally like she was just there, basically just like a bang buddy, and like 
that's not fair. And then Sartak was okay with it because in Queen of Shadows, Nezrin was very like, whatever, Kale. Yeah, because isn't that what every freaking girl does when the boy is like obsessed with someone else? I don't even care anyway. I didn't want you anyway. And then she gets a legit, she gets a legit prince that flies on a freaking incredible winged creature. He's hot as hell. He's from her native land. Incredible winged creature was like a big ass bird. What? I don't remember what they were called. That's why I said big ass creature. But like he teaches her how to fly on it. She's from her, he's from her like native homeland, which she talks about missing all the time. I do love that. And she literally gets to become a freaking queen someday. Like she went from being like a a king of like, or whatever, Kale was the captain of the guards, little peon to be a freaking like princess. Like, you know what other reason to read Tower of Dawn is for what you're talking about. We got to finally see a new location. It was fresh. Take me to the desert. You know, and like, did you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. Okay. Like when they go to like the Dorne, like I picture Sartak and his family being like the family from Dorne, like for some reason, like that's just what I, I picture. And I love the new location, but also another reason the Tower of Dawn, the whole like sibling thing that went Dude, down his with them. his bonkers. His family's that was nuts. epic to me. Like, Dude, I, give me I some always, good drama. Give me I good imagine that dinner, drama. the dinner scene where they're all sitting around at the table when they kind of get high or yes. whatever. Okay, yes. like this family is bonkers. And to throw Kale into this mix, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, it's so good. It's, it's what so reality good. TV dreams were made of. Right? 100%. So this is why I don't understand the hating of Tower of Dawn. Because I'm like, did you read it though? This is the other thing, Bookstagram. The only thing that Bookstagram does do sometimes is if you're not careful, it'll convince you of things that maybe not be true for you. So like, it might convince you not to read Assassin's Blade because it's going to be too hard. Like, don't don't do that just you do you and read tower of dawn <laughs> the author not necessarily the bookstagram all the time right very right the okay, author so has anyways. a reason for doing the thing and writing the thing she's writing for a purpose like i yes. firmly believe that if trust you are Sarah a J. Math. author we should be trusting her we already know author, that everything you write is for a purpose right it's gonna yeah. serve the story in some way whether yes. it's development whether it's excitement whether it's plot whatever world building yeah 100 percent do it Dude, dude. Sartak for me, like, Sartak to me, like, dude, that's Jason Mamala. I don't care where you want to catch I him. Agree. Like, I agree. That's where he belongs. And like, are you kidding me? Like, Nesrin just kind of got like shit on as like being like a side chick. And now she's literally being elevated. And he's obsessed with her. And he's pursued by her. And like, this is the thing. Okay, I'm going to get on my mom's soapbox for a minute. But ladies, this is what you're looking for. You are the prize. Well, this big sis you- is engaged. <laughs> Okay, you are the prize. I'm not saying you don't go after what you want. Absolutely go after what you want. But like he's coming for you. Like you want a star attack who's like coming and asking you to go on the things and taking you and empowering you. No, he's doing he's showing you that he's available and he he's after it. He wants it. And like he's empowering her, teaching her how to take do all these new things, teaching her about like her homeland and her native like animal i don't really know what that thing is that he flew on i can't remember but like he's teaching really how to picture like a big ass little bird that hops around on my back patio right okay so he did destiny he put her on his but then he freaking gave her her own and taught her how to ride that shit by herself okay that's what i'm talking about he empowered her to like because he knows she wants to be independent but then he also was like but also i want to like do like a one bed trope but like in a sleep sack <laughs> you know what i mean like and i was he, here for it hundred percent. So this is why I feel like Sartak and Nezrin are underrated because I feel like he's the one, like he, pers- if anyone did no wrong, it was Sartak. 
Like he gathered his forces, went and supported this chick that Nezrin barely even liked Aelin. You know what I mean? Like she's here for the mission, but it's not like she's here for the person. And she brought all of this with her, including Sartak. And I, I do feel very strongly that Sartak, like as much as he believed in the cause, was also like, I believe in this lady that I want to be my queen. And I'm here for it. So, yes. okay, I rest here. I'm disengaging big sister mode and I allow Tower of Dawn. Final note on Tower of Dawn and Tanamri. My final note is I agree. Looking back, I also felt when I got to the end, because the way Empire of Storms ends, the fact that you have to like trek through Tower of Dawn, this is the last thing you want to do, right? Mm hmm. So I'm all for like a tandem read, but also just to be mean, I'm like, no, 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 no. I had to wait. Like I had to go through this and not knowing what the fuck was happening with Halen and Rowan. You have to do it too. That's what I don't know. So you're saying, you wait, you pick tandem read yeah. or go through it the way we didn't experience it. Yeah. Because like that is the only thing is that once you get to air of fire, you are gonna want to get okay. So that was the thing. So if you read air of fire and then you stop for assassin's blade before you get to queen of shadows, the only bummer is that then you're not sure what goes on between. You have to pause in Aelin and Rowan's relationship dynamic, and I feel like. But I also I, feel like it's not as big as like Empire Storms and like. Right. Well, and, and I feel like it's a very natural pausing point, right? Because their relationship has changed to like a friendship. They don't hate each other anymore, but it's not like we've gone so far into like the romance section with them. So it's and like, it's a mind, natural. Yeah. In my mind, I mean, like she's on the boat for X amount of months. Right. Like, let's right. Right. It feels this. more natural. Yeah. <laughs> it feels natural. <laughs> All right, our next she's topic. just sailing. Okay. So we need to get back to Gavriel, Manon, Elise, all the things. Do you think it, uh, um, Gabrielle should have died or not? Yes. I stand by what was done. And here is, so this I feel like ties into also we had mentioned like Nehemia dying too soon, Sorsha being irrelevant and Gabrielle dying. I'm so the reason why- um, I think Nehemia died way too fast. Like I wasn't fully buying into that relationship when it happened. Okay, so that's the aspect I didn't think about it for it. So what the way the reason why I tied those three together and I didn't think about like Nehemi dying prematurely for Aelin to have been as upset as she was. But for me, they're the thing that I call a safe a safe death, where it's like, yeah, you like them enough that it hurts, but not so much that like it's a, like, I'm, I'm, the room. yeah, exactly. Not so much that I'm like, I'm done with this series. How freaking dare you? I'm burning these books. Like I'm never, I hate Sarah J. Mass. Like, so to me, Nehemia and Sorsha were both essentially plot devices for I the agree. main characters. So their deaths. And I get why so, their deaths were big when she explained it, but I didn't experience yeah. it for myself as a reader is my point. You know, okay, right? yeah. So Nehemia dying for me, that's the, the spark. That's that's what launches Aelin into it had leaving. To she had to go because before that, Aelin was not or Selena was not necessarily like she's an assassin. She's she doing she's looking out for number Aelin. one. She, she didn't want to be do all go on this epic mission. She didn't want to do anything. So Nehemia, and then also she was still technically like with Kale, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was the thing that ended them basically. 
Right. So Nehemia dying not only launches her into her epic journey that she needs to go on and her whole character arc of becoming Aelin, mm-hmm. it's also what then gets Kale sending her away. She has to go. Their relationship dynamic changes and all that. So as much as Nehemia was important, she was a plot device, which is the okay. same thing as Sorsha for Dorian. So like before, before Sorsha, Dorian had said, there, I wrote my one of my favorite quotes. Well, it's like a medium favorite quote from him was, it was like something along the lines here my page is turning as I look for it um it was something along the lines of like um he I'm not married because I can't stomach the thought of marrying a woman inferior to me in mind and spirit it would mean death of my be a death of my soul or mean death to my soul something along those lines which was early on and it's like wow like get over yourself kind of yeah. <laughs> you know and um Sorsha is very much not as strong as him mind and soul right like she's you know she's just not so then when she dies it definitely well the relationship with her changes something in him it softens him it makes him a little bit more like aware of this lower class and the the normal person and whatever and he starts to become more aware of like what's going on in places like Endovier and uh the other place but oh, more where she's more from I can't remember but anyways Terrace so then after no no it was a, one of the, the prison camp places I just can't remember the name of it um but after she dies then he's like oh, I don't want to be with anybody because humans are too breakable you know and he has that whole thing of like you know whatever and he's he's broken and he gets the word key collar put on him but honestly um, I liked it in a sense but also like I didn't feel like it was really necessary because right after he gets the word color Dorian to me came up I I've always loved Dorian and I always will um but he was more of like especially when in the first two books you do have to kind of compete Dorian versus Kale because of the love triangle mm-hmm. right yeah Dorian was also very immature to me in his worldview and like playboy vibe. Yeah. He was the pretty boy, like very immature in that aspect. So like when Sorsha came becomes like an it was like kind of nice, but like also it was like right after we got the word caller, that was gonna be enough to make him then progress to Daddy Dorian, as I like to call him. (laughs) My own. Um, uh, I think it was just kind of like a plot device as far as like a, a breaking point for him. Like it gives yeah. him a little bit of a worldview, but it also is kind of just like, it's just, a, again, it's. And gives him just a more plot depth device. because he doesn't really have depth to him because she killed the alien thing so quick. Yeah. So quick. What else was there? So I, well, and before I that, see it why was like, she did it. It was just yeah, not definitely. as effective as in the sense of like, I see why she did it. I appreciate it. But as a reader, I didn't necessarily experience what the emotions were there. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, no, definitely. I think she, I think of all of the characters that end up being, I mean, I don't want to say like they're all just plot devices, like they serve no purpose. They did, but their main purpose was to serve the main characters in their character arc and journeys. I feel like she's the least necessary, I guess. Yeah. Whereas like you have someone like Nehemia or even Sam you know yeah. where they they really set these their these main characters on well I guess Sam and um Nehemia both set Aelin on like or Selena on a different course right and I mean obviously Sam hurts a lot Nehemia hurts a lot um I think 
why most people probably feel like Nehemia died too soon was if they feel like she died too soon for it to matter as much as it did throughout the whole series or if like they just really liked her and want to see more of her which I get both of those things I think my thing was I wanted more scenes with Nehemia and Aelin actually being friends because to me the first book I was very wary of Nehemia no I me too yeah her and she Sarah J Mass like puts that in there like Aelin is very wary of her right and then book two all this stuff happens but we only get like a couple scenes where they're like actually being like close friends and yeah. it was like bam um but also like I could see from an editing standpoint of like that would just kind of be like fluff um well and if she goes to if I feel like if Nehemia goes very much further into the story then you start messing with like half like half of Aelin's mission then becomes like Nehemia's playing a role in it it's not putting Aelin in the star role to have this big character development and then maybe she doesn't take on this thing so much alone which she really needed to engage in this on her own and make this decision on her own and have so I feel like Nehemia maybe this is I don't want to say giving Sarah J Mass too much credit because I don't feel like that's even possible I feel like she's thought through all of this so much but like I do feel like it couldn't it maybe it wasn't as thought through as like what I'm saying but I do feel like if you take Nehemia too much further now she starts messing with Aelin's character arc a little bit and it's like becomes like then when do you kill her? Because if you kill her later on, now everybody could legit be super pissed. It's, yeah. She's no longer a safe death at that point. Now she becomes, it's like killing someone that you could lose part of your fandom over yeah. or, you know I what agree. I mean? Like, which everybody deserves the right to do that. But I think maybe Sarah J. Mass doesn't do that as much. Like, yeah. So I feel like Nehemia's placement of death is kind of like, well, it's a hard one to balance. Yeah, for sure. But it it was so necessary. Yeah, it was. It was definitely necessary. And so Gabriel dying, I feel like. Okay, so Gabriel dying. A lot of people say Gabriel shouldn't have died. Aiden, Aiden should have died. No, Lorcan. Oh, Aiden or Lorcan? You said Lorcan earlier, but you meant. And the Throne of Glass Facebook group that I'm in with like so many people, thousands of people. The thing is, people are like, Aiden should have died, not Gabriel. Okay. I disagree. I think them saying Adian should have died will go into our next point of Adian and Lysandra and their whole thing. Yeah. Um, I personally loved that Gabriel died. I thought it was an epic way to go out. I thought as a dad and like, I think they had their moment at the end. And yep. to me, it was never going to get to like the point people think like maybe in a perfect world like yeah they would yeah. actually be father son but like I really don't yeah. think in reality that would have ever gotten to that point um right. and I think also like as a cadre member who's been a, alive for hundreds of years and like to me if that's the way you're gonna die I think everyone was like he chose his death in that moment in my opinion like he knew the odds and was like gonna do it and well and I feel like as a parent it was great and as a parent it's like what what but like Gabriel's whole thing was he never got to have the relationship with Adian because he sacrificed that for what Adian's mom wanted yeah then I feel like as a parent like your greatest act of love is like self-sacrificing right so I feel like mm-hmm. at that that his whole death moment is like his he's finally getting to be Adian's dad the ultimate um, declaration in there absolutely like this I loved you even though I got never got to know you kind of a thing and yeah I agree like 
I mean, we already have Adian having to have this like relationship with Lysandra. So it's not like his main relationship is Lysandra and not Gabriel. And you have to pick, I feel like you kind of have to pick one. Um, since they're, I mean, they're main characters, but they're also side characters. So it's like, you can't have like all the relationships. Um, so I feel, I feel, I feel again, it was another safe death. It hurts enough to make an impact and matter, but not so much that it's like an audience splitter, you know, like, yeah. so, but so as far as then shifting to Gabriel dying in place of, or Lorcan dying in place of. Gabriel so that you can have the Elite Manon relationship I love the Elite and Manon okay you say your thing and then I'll say mine so tell me what you think yeah about that oh tell me your thoughts I very much got first of all Men in Blackbeat is probably equivalent to my love for Aelin um I'm a I say Manon not Manon sorry people like get over it I'm from the South. I don't know what to tell you. I say Manon. Uh, Manon to me, she gets a lot of shit in the beginning. They're like, who is this like witch person coming in? I don't care. Until again, you get to like the end and you see that growth of her. You don't care until you care. Exactly. Like, I think it is one of the best character arcs. It's equivalent to like Nesta to me um the way that Sarah J Maas yeah. does it um you're not supposed to like Manon she's literally evil incarnate because she has been raised this way yeah and so her whole like arc I'm not gonna rant about that because I could for an hour um but I love that Manon always had this soft spot for a lead and I don't know there was like if I could have like an alternate reality where like Manon was a dom and a lead was a sub and they were together I just think it would work really well <laughs> No way, Manon would be a sub, and a lead is taking her power back and being okay, a dog. Yeah. We can even, we can even do that, fit that, 100%. Okay, so I feel very similar for up to a point with a lead being a part of Manon's character arc. Now, a lead doesn't, lead has a character arc, it's but I feel like she's one of the more grounded characters of all the characters, even with everything she's been through. Yes, yeah, so she acts as some strength, but I feel like she already knew she had it in her. To an extent as it is. So like, yeah, she gets stronger. She starts standing up to Lorcan, which I love. But like, I don't, I never really felt like she was weak. Not internally. All, we always kind of felt that was there. It was just seeing more of it. Having Man- opportunity. Right. Manon was to me a complete 360 of her character arc. Uh, same yeah. thing with Lorcan. Uh, like that yeah. was a big shift for me which elite plays a role in both relationships of doing that and i think it adds yeah. to the strength of being around her and what that can do for you and soften those edges and to the safe place like she, absolutely i feel like she allows people to be soft because she's not weak but she's accepting of whatever form you come to her in but i think manon's character arc actually starts with abraxas not a lead yes, like i feel I like agree. which how relatable is that that like you like even if you want to compare it to nesta nesta's softness starts happening with like the house almost you know what i mean like it's an inanimate thing like a breakfast is not inanimate but like it's safe it's safer to love yeah. i mean just think about like your your like exactly that's what i'm saying like you how you feel when you're hard-hearted but you're like you oh but you have a dog you know what i mean like you don't have a person but you have this and it, it's easier to be safe and soft with them so for me though um I feel like 
I just leave like a lead and work and do their thing. I think they make sense to me. Like, I agree. I'm so happy with that. Yeah. I don't think universe, I would be okay with it. (laughs) If if, I would be totally okay with it, but I think what for Manon, for me, the only thing that makes sense is if she doesn't end up with anybody, I think like, yes, like she technically hooks up with Dorian, but like they don't end up together. And Isn't I don't... Dorian as like if we got like 20 years from now a novella of whatever I see them continuing to do what they're doing of like, what they're doing yeah they're, they're never doing. gonna be married they're never gonna claim each other but like when they get horny they hook up it's just but no and one they're okay and satisfied it works. it works and no one else could fill in or take the spot of the one for the other you know what I mean like right. if the world's burning down and the world's about to end then yes it's each other if you have to choose, yes, it should be each other. But I just feel like both Manon and Dorian, they don't end up with anybody. And I think that that's important. And I think as romance readers, we have this desire to like couple everybody. And yeah. that's why I've always kind of been like, I think it'd be rad if like um, Elaine ends up with nobody. God forbid. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what if a lead just like, or not a lead, I'm sorry. Elaine just ends up with her fucking garden. And she's just chilling for the rest of her life. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of the same idea. Like, Manon, yeah. to me, it's the 13. It's the, if there was a Where Are They Now novella, I see Manon, like, turning over a new leaf and starting a whole new generation of, like, witches and a whole new coven, bringing that lamb back to life and just leading, being, like, an epic leader, which is very similar to what I imagine for Dorian. I imagine him bringing in a whole new generation, turning over a whole new leaf of, like, magical people in that kingdom. You know, and just like kind of restoring thriving. the name to his dad. So at the end, yes, yes, his dad. A hundred percent. That's his legacy now. Is I'm going to yes. restore this our family by doing this. And Manon does the same thing with all the covens, bringing them together, restoring that land, bringing it back to life with the unity of the covens, and and it's kind of like yes, they have each other, but like they also have these things that are so much more bigger than you than their love and relationship that are more important. So like they see each other when they can, they get busy when they can, but like other than that, it's like, like they that, have like, these ultimate, missions. like new age relationship, I feel like though, of like- Yeah, and it's self-sacrificing. We're both focused I- on our careers. <laughs> and you <laughs> you're still my person, but like, because yeah. you're my person, you understand my priorities are elsewhere. Totally. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's a great vibe for both of them. And even though it's not explicitly written, it's also hard to imagine that, Sarah J. Mass didn't see it the same way because of how much they both have that same lane, but for their own, like, quote unquote, kingdoms or whatever, like for their own people, like, it's very much the same lane that they're about to head into, just they have to do it individually. And I think that that's awesome for like, people who want to pursue that, like, it's a nice to see that representation of like, not everybody fucking couples up, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, like Dorian and his shadow hands, like, and Manon, they could have like, Daddy Dorian. Um, their spice was like, okay, yes, I'm, I'm here for Lorcan and Aline, but like, I just feel like Manon and Dorian, like, they're uh, the couple that like for sure swings. And just like the level of like good, like that's where the epic spice was about to be at. Like, and like they uh, can banter, like they kind of hate each other. They kind of want to kill yes. each other, right? Like, so Manon, Manon really wants to kill him, I think. Um, yeah. She just doesn't. And to me, it's like, well, and she let him on top, which, like, let's not like forget that. She let him be on top. Okay. Which he doesn't necessarily know is, is you know, critical in the moment, but like, 
we know. And I'm like, you can trust the man. There. Yes, there's something trust. to that. She let him. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like there's a trust level there that doesn't necessarily exist. And she doesn't even have an explanation for it herself. But like, it's there Which if she's allowing it that. Better. She can't explain love. She can't. And there's, I feel, I definitely feel like it's love on, as much as the, as much as either one of them is capable of in the state that they're in at yeah. that time. But it's like you said, it's like a different, not just because like love happy ending doesn't mean getting married and have 10 kids. Like yeah. there are alternate endings of what that means for people. Yeah. It looks and different I, for different like people. Said, the representation showed there is really cool, I think. And I, I feel like if that was intentional, which I, again, I, I believe that it was because of how uh, the symmetry to their paths forward or the assumed paths forward I, I have a hard time imagining it wasn't in, wasn't intentional which also is mind-blowing considering how young she was <laughs> I feel like but also like if Manon all of a sudden at the end was like oh yeah let's get married Dorian that wouldn't have been consistent with her character no and that matters that really matters it's especially to people who are aware of the such things you know what I mean like yeah. the consistency definitely matters so I feel like Again, with Sarah J. Mass, well, the one thing that I keep coming back to is it went how it was supposed to go. Like, I, ha- I don't believe that she didn't explore every option that we're talking about and land where she landed intentionally. You know right. what I mean? And like, decide that it was the best option for like the story, the representation for different people in different life situations, which again, just goes like to give her even more praise of like the fact that she was able to see that at such a young age. Yeah. Like, it's, it's unreal. I agree. It's, I agree. So. I agree. Um, I think um, the only other hot take that I feel like we definitely need to touch on is, <laughs> is Rowan being abusive. Okay, so like I'm not a person that like gets on social media and like blasts out my attention. I'm definitely the person that can like keep scrolling and like I don't agree and I keep scrolling. But in this Donald Glass group that I'm in, this topic comes up so many times and it is the only topic I will like speak on. Um, and I do, I say, oh, my piece I'm ready. I, don't, I don't respond. I just like say my piece. Um, and then I have to like turn off notifications and not look at what other people say. I just, <laughs> I'm, I, you can't see me, I but really I'm literally first, like in bath social media, but like, this is like the one thing that just like, do not come for Rowan. I swear to God. Um, okay. <laughs> there is a hot take that a fandom is split 50, 50, that in era fire, Rowan was abusive slash horrible slash scum of the earth towards Aelin and that he wasn't empathetic enough towards her and he physically abused her. He like all this stuff. I'm going to say my view. Please. <laughs> I will have thanks respond. Do I think a man should ever be abusive towards a woman? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But we have to do this thing where we realize, especially in fantasy, really any fiction, it's not real life, it's fiction. Not that it's okay to do these things, but especially in fantasy and the world building aspect. And you're talking about Fae and like these whole backgrounds. You have to understand the history behind the Fae and all these things. And I think that's important here. In this moment of air fire, the queen, what's her name? What's the queen's name? Maeve. Maeve basically orders Rowan, who like pretty much can't like 
he can't just decide not to do what Maeve does because he's what's the word he's like oh blood oath right his blood oath like whatever she says he has to do period yeah um she basically tells Rowan like you're going to get to know her and you're also going to train her and like kind of see what she's made of here with the fae in this type of like warrior combat soldier aspect he's not looking at the fact that she is technically a female or a male he's not quite frankly he doesn't give a shit about her her history um Mm -hmm. that's not what he's there for he's there to do his job and he treats her in the way that he would treat any other fae that he was training and I think that's where that comes through um not that it excuses it it's not an excuse it's an explanation I love to say that here it's not an excuse it's an explanation you also have to look at the history of the fae the fae are very this goes back to more of like um like pagan myths and and things like that but like they're very violent breed of fantastical creatures (laughs) um amen very very violent (laughs) um and to me sarah j mass portrays the fae as very mild compared to like a holly black the cruel prince i don't know if you've read that that's like to me is like the real fae like they're fucking nuts they're They're like warriors yes like yeah they're they're tricksy they're they're crazy so in that aspect I don't think he was like technically quote unquote awful and like super abusive and how could she ever fall in love with him. Also at the same time, I think Aelin in that time that she was in needed someone to quite frankly give her a kick in the ass in the sense of like quit playing the pity card. Yes, like bad things have happened to you, but Rowan, and we get to know his history later on, it's also like, I've been through shit too, honey. Yeah, like, same girl, same. You better than anyone else. Yeah. Your struggle worse than mine. Like, this is your job. And quite frankly, in the sense of like, you need to pick a, a pick a direction you're going to go in here. Are you going to be mm-hmm. alien? You're going to go on this thing? Or are you going to sit here and get drunk on rooftops and talk to birds? Either direction is fine. Just don't like inconvenience me, right? Like that's yeah, kind of yeah. like, 100%. And I think if you take it back to real life, sometimes when we're in like we talk about mental health here, like if you're in a depressive state or you're in certain states in your life, like my husband does this for me and my best friends do this for me. Sometimes you need sometimes a little kick in the ass to get your head back on straight. Not physically, yeah. of course, but like. But also not you're not in a fantasy novel. Abusiveness <laughs> of her, but like the things he would say and like go to her and like their conversations to me, they were a match made in heaven in the sense that Rowan also needed Aelin to get him mm-hmm. out of, all the shit he's been going through yeah and I think it worked out the way it did that's that is my take on that take it for what you will it is my personal opinion if none of you agree that's totally fine that's okay (laughs) that's just my opinion I love it Lex continue what what are your thoughts yeah I love that take on it and I agree like I get to a degree the mindset when it comes to Rowan because like it's it's inevitable we compare him to the other uh mass boys right like it, it's inevitable not to but I also feel like we have to keep in mind I think the Faye thing was a really good point by the way that's not something I've ever really like considered considered as far as like the culture of the Faye and stuff like that I'm more just like 
thought about like just Rowan of what we like know specifically of Rowan and Aelin. So for me, Rowan's like, we have to keep in mind like how much he's been through. It's like insane, right? On top of that, he's what, 500 plus years old. And Aelin is what, 18? Yeah, 18. so she's like 18, 20, somewhere around there when they first like have their first encounter. So Rowan essentially believes his mate who was pregnant with their baby died because he chose to leave and chase something else. So there's like a huge guilt factor there. Self-punishment, all the things to the point that he's now in service to the woman who created this mess for him, which technically does he know that? No, but he's spent we can safely say hundreds of years doing his best to disconnect from every emotion that he has. Right. And he's still carrying the severe guilt. Yep. And I think it was six cents that he immediately knew Rowan and not Rowan. He knew Aelin was going to be important in his life. I do heavily believe that when they first met. And so then to your point of like, no, we're going to lock it up even more. (laughs) Yeah, because even like to the point his emotions are shut down so hard that like he didn't even realize she was his mate. But even not realizing she was his mate, we can safely assume he felt something. Subconsciously, there there was something there. (laughs) Which would probably, if nothing else, trigger anger at this point in his life of like, or guilt or, you know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of people, I mean, speaking personally, like guilt can sometimes, um, translate into anger you know what I mean or like the way to cope with the anger is or I'm sorry guilt is to is anger so like to that effect I feel like his initial reaction to her makes sense also he's 500 something years old and he's this 18 year old 20 year old whatever she is getting boozed up on rooftops he's ordered to train here blah blah blah. so I think what I do in my brain and maybe other people do this, maybe other people don't. When we're talking about Rowan, we're comparing like Rowan training Aelin to like Cassian training Nesta, right? Mm-hmm. And like Cassian does it a whole totally different way. The Rowan does it. Nesta couldn't even do a sit-up. Okay. This girl <laughs> yeah. hadn't moved from a couch in her entire life. Selena Sardothian <laughs> is literally the most dangerous woman in like the mother trucking world. Like she does not need I have never thought of this and I'm dying. <laughs> Like, you're not going to treat Aelin the same way you treat Nessa. It's not going to work. She's not going to respect you. She's going to be like, get the f- out of here. Yeah, she's like, gonna who like, even are you? Fuck away from me. Yeah. Like, no, I'm sorry. And I, I identify with that because same thing. Like, I am an aggressive, abrasive. You grew up an athlete. Like, you are. 100%. Like- Here's the thing. Uh, growing up an athlete is 100% where part of this mindset comes from. Like, chew me out. Tell me what I did wrong. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to move on. And I'm going to go do better the next inning. Like, so I, I was a, a college softball player and hundred percent. Like, I'm not saying it's okay. Well, this is, this is, a, it's this is a not an subject. excuse. It's an explanation of, and it's not that. okay to like chew out athletes, but to no, a certain degree, it just works. Okay. I don't know what to tell you. It's not like socially acceptable. It's not like politically correct or whatever, but it freaking works to a degree. And it's something to do with our mindset. We, when you are playing, you are a machine and you are a tool. And I hundred percent feel like it's similar when you're talking about Aelin being an assassin, you access a different part of your personality 
and you check out and like, I am a tool. And so obviously being a softball player is not the same as being an assassin, but <laughs> basically Lex is also an assassin. I one time it's did tell my dad that I did tell my oh. dad one time when I was young. <laughs> I oh. totally think I could be an assassin. And he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, okay, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, basically. But I, I think I was like over romanticizing it and kind of being like more like, I think I just read like, um, a hunger games or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I was Tennis. like, I can access this part of my body. Like I can check out and we can go. And it's, it's, a, it's a thing. I was born yeah. for this. I'm an hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> I'm an elite athlete. Just put me in coach. Like that's, that's what are our emotions. I don't care. <laughs> okay. This is a total sidebar, but in the last episode when you and Taylor were doing the, like, he's a 10, but like, he never left his high school town. And like, he still plays like his, <laughs> like, okay. So my husband is also a college athlete. He was a very, very amazing baseball player, including in high school. And we always, we have this inside joke of like, we will randomly bring up like, cause now we're in our mid thirties, right? Like everything hurts. We're like broken down. Oh, yeah. We have all the injuries from like the knees are shot. The back is Everything's shot. bad. Yes. <laughs> so he'll always be like, well, he'll say something to like the kids or something about like him playing. Cause our, both our kids now play baseball and softball back in the day. He'll say something like that. And he'll be like, he'll look at me and be like, Hey babe, you want to watch tape? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Hey babe. I, I'm like you wanna me and me and me and Danny. We used to like turn double plays. Like, you want to watch tape or what? You want to see like you want to see like an elite athlete. But like he's joking. It's like part of the joke. He's not really like like he he has let go of his glories. But like it's just an ongoing joke of like remember when everything didn't hurt. Essentially, is what he's saying. <laughs> like so, it's it when you guys are doing that. Cool. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, um, and so also, when you guys were doing that, whole you thing, haven't read really Devil's funny. Night, and that's what. Mm-hmm. 90% of those references were coming from. And so I need <laughs> you to read Devil's Night and then listen to her episodes. And then that all will make sense and you'll laugh even harder. Well, because we have like, we legit have friends that are still very much hanging on to those days. Like that person exists funny, within our life. You're romanticizing this group of guys, but like, if you want to break it down, they're just unable to leave high school. But like, you're here for it. Like it 100%. makes sense in the world. But if you, know, you want to get I'm not judging with it, we're we're gonna make fun of it. They at the core, they are the town washups, and like he's in the NBA, but you never get an NBA scene at all. Like there's well, like, convinced he's not really in the NBA. Like n- we never get one scene with him in the NBA at all. No reference. <laughs> well, so, in real life, the guys who are still hanging on to that stuff, they're not a 10. Maybe that you thought they were in high school, but now exactly. they've gained 60 pounds only in the middle. Exactly. And that's why they can't let go. That's very much not my husband. So that's why well, I will it add is Devil's Night to our, our buddy reading list. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I'll read for the 10th time with Lex so she can experience <laughs> I'm going to be texting okay, at 1 a.m. again and you're going to be like, uh, Yeah, sorry. Okay. So my whole point to saying all this is, you can't really, I'm not saying that the only grounds for saying he's abusive is the comparison, but I do think people compare a lot like, oh, well, Rowan's abusive because look at Cassie was able to train Nesta to become a Valkyrie without the abuse, but like Nesta, you can't compare to Aelin or Selena because they're not the so, same. No, she was essentially a professional athlete and Nesta was a housewife. Like Nesta you know has I mean? never gone through anything in her life except for going in the culture and I right, love so she, Nesta. I'm a Nesta stand to like die. 
She's but emotionally like, been Aylin, through a lot. She has not like actually physically been through much. Aylin, Aylin killed her first person when she was 10 years old. Exactly. Okay. So you can't compare the training that she gets to anybody else. So when you put her in the context of like the fact that she's a trained assassin, she's going to need something else. On top of that, Aylin, because she grew up that way with all of these men at this level, again, why she couldn't have ended up with Dorian or Kale is because at the end of the day, nobody could be a partner, a true partner to her, but someone like Rowan. And by God, the scene where he grabs her tongue has literally, you want to talk about a brat tamer. Are you kidding me right now? No, are you freaking kidding me? The ultimate, you think Nesta is not the ultimate brat. Aelin is the ultimate brat. I'm sorry. Aelin is a brat because she's cocky as shit. She is cocky as shit. And Rowan literally was like, that sharp devil tongue you have, I'm going to literally rip that out of your mouth. Like I, so for me, and then the other part of this is, um, when, he, when he bites her, I'm sorry. I was, oh my gosh. Okay. That is like the ultimate act. Cause this is the other thing. Whatever is, you need to do, do it. Like, well, in the Fae, the Fae in Throne of Glass are much more in touch with their animal side than the Fae in Akatar because they're not animals in Akatar. So the Fae in Throne of Glass legitimately are animals. Rowan is legitimately an animal. animals. <laughs> so the biting, if you like, even just think about like the freaking dog you see getting like buck wild at the dog park on the weekend, it's like the same thing. Like they're mounting and they're biting. And if you read any shift of romances, like that comes into play. It's like, it's an out. If ultimate you want to say Rowan mounting and biting the same sentence, like that's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying Rowan is dominating Aelin. He's proving he is worthy to be someone who she listens to, respects and teaches or who is teaching her. And I feel like Nobody else could have done that. Literally, you know what I love like they're both so dominant. Ugh. I love that. Mm. I love. I do love like a good like dom and like like an because actual like a lead in Lordkin, a lead in Manon. That's great. I I'm here for that too. Yes. But with like the dom and dom, and it's like ultimate equal. Like oh my! God. I want to watch it play out over and over and over and over and over and over again, <laughs> like till end of time, like. So he, I also love that at no point, also to go back to the Cassie and Nessa thing, at no point in that early training was Rowan trying to get an alien's pants. Okay. Exactly. So Cassie also is taking into consideration, Cassie has way more background of firsthand witnessing background of all the shit that happened to Nessa, right? He's got yeah. naturally going to have more empathy than Rowan. He's also just a different, a literal right. different being. <laughs> In a different breed of a, of a species. Of a person. Of like, yeah. Okay. They're just different. You know? Yeah. I feel like Rowan is what being an alpha female, which Nesta is an alpha female, but not to the extent she is and she isn't. She is in the sense that she, she knows what she wants, whatever. But like, she wasn't an alpha female in the sense of like, if you think about it, Pharaoh was the one that went out and did the hunting. Pharaoh was the one that took her care of her family. So like Nesta as much as she's a strong woman, I don't find her to be an alpha female to the extent of like where we're seeing Aelin and Selena. Aelin is an alpha female. And so to have her have a partner, which I 100% same thing, Nesta Stan, Cassian and Nesta are 
amazing partners. They are perfect for each other. They're not the head, like Sarah and Reese are the head. They are perfect for each other. The way he keeps reaching out, he's got that golden retriever. He's going to keep reaching out. And someone like Nessa needs that. I need the, I need to know you love me enough to keep coming out for me. But Nessa is also to me, emotionally more hard up than Aylin. Okay. Yeah. Like Nessa to me was like a freaking wall. Like she was mean. She was brutal. She was a bitch through and through. And I'm an SSN, but like that yeah. you were made to think that right to me, yeah. always did have this side to her that was funny and that would make connections and that would, which almost goes to like things. show her a little bit of like her own lunacy to go on through everything she was exactly. going through and to rationalize exactly. it enough to where she could cope. It was so, almost like Aileen was more of a Cassian and Rowan was more of a Nesta in a sense of that, like emotionally. Honestly, it's like reverse. Yeah. hundred percent. I can see that. Like a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. Well, then so, I mean, you can also like think about like, so she did Throne of Glass before Akatar and like she brought in the Fae and I, back to your point of like Akatar being, to me, I agree. Like, I don't think the Fae and Akatar are what, uh, mythically, what Faye? They're romanticized. Yeah. They're they're very romanticized, right. and they're very civil. Um, mm-hmm. oh my god, I bet Taylor is listening right now and like dying because Taylor actually grew up with a grandmother that like fully believed in Faye and fairies, <gasps> and Whoa. like Taylor like my was raised to like leave little like gifts for the fae and like taylor has this whole backstory with the fae and fairies like she grew up like learning about them and so she comes from like a very like mythological fantastical Mm -hmm. element of like what fae actually are like in the myths and to me i would like to think if i was sarah j mass 16 you look up you you google fae or whatever yeah these are the type of stories and it's the more animalistic it's the more tricksy it's the more you can't really trust them like yeah that's what we're seeing in throne of glass and then akatar i think it's not that maybe she it's like princess but <laughs> i do think from throne of glass with akatar and akatar when you have mates it's your equal mm-hmm. but i think she kind of took that from like rowan and aelin like like you said like Aelin was never going to be with anyone that didn't give everything back to her yeah. in surplus. Like, and I can appreciate that because I'm very much that way with my relationship yep. with my husband. Same. First of all, I am a brat through and through. I took the test. I am a brat. <laughs> Second of all, I'm very sassy. I have little man syndrome. I'm five foot one and I act like I'm a six foot four person. And I have a <laughs> big personality and a big attitude. But with Sean, my husband he's our we have banter and he's the first one to call me out I'm like you're getting a little too it. big for your britches like hold up and, and I hate that. it but I love it because yep he's one of the least like he's one of the rare men that I've never been able to walk over and so I have respect for it I'm like oh yep. he can hold his own so maybe that's why I like kind of oh, I mean I'm I'm with you because I feel like I mean I'm with you I feel like being a strong personality personally and like identifying with like maybe having like leaning heavier into like what are considered traditionally masculine traits or whatever like I don't really buy into all that stuff but like 
I guess, technically, if you're talking about like legitimately masculine, feminine energy, like I tend to lean heavier into like a masculine energy. Um, and because of that, same thing with my husband, like when I'm going off on a tangent, I'm giving you a bunch of shit. Like if you could never, I don't want to be with someone for the rest of my life that I just like walk all over and just along for the ride, you know? And I, I want someone that's equal that I can trust and carry their weight so that I don't, I don't want to carry the world on my shoulders, but like, I will, if I have to kind of a thing right? more so. But and so I want nice a partner a partner that you don't have to do that with sometimes that you don't have to do it, that I can trust that you're going to do like your share and that you can meet me where I'm at and all of that. And so I do really feel like, imagine if Rowan wasn't who he was, he wasn't nearly as strong as Aelin at that point throughout this whole story, he becomes just a distraction, just another person that she has to save another person she has to worry about something occupying her mind like you want to be able to like know that like he's handling his shit just as much as he knows he she's handling her shit so that they can do this mission and all this shit together and be a true partner and an equal like and then on top of that he's the one person in the world that like can hold his own with her to where she with can her fully she's got let big go. shit she's got to do yeah. And, and she needs someone 100%. that she, she didn't have to worry about. Like she can take satisfaction in the sense of like, yeah, she's always going to worry about Rowan and safety, but also like, he's like the most feared warrior ever. Like he's got it. He's, he's got good. it. If anyone's got it, he's got it. And I think what's <laughs> yeah. so cool about what Rowan does is he's so silently confident in her as well. And he is very, very sure she can do the exact same thing. And I love the way he just he doesn't have much to say for the most part when she's coming up with all these cockamamie plans and doing all this shit. Aiden's losing his shit and Kale's losing his shit. Everybody's losing their shit. And Rowan is just like, he's, he's totally calm and fine, except for like, but keep, but keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. You know what I mean? Like, as a, you know, fucking love it. He's just like, he's totally fine. He's totally calm. But also if you ever fucking, she's crazy, like but again, she's my crazy. So watch your yeah. fucking mouth. And I can say that, but you can't. And so, exactly, uh, yeah. So I feel like, and again, when you know she gets taken by Maeve, uh, who, no one else is going to be able to rescue her. Scene. Where is my mother trucking wife? I want that ish on my. Grave. I was sitting in my bathtub with like two glasses of wine and me sobbing, so sobbing. hysterical. I mean, honestly, Reading. like. There have been moments in life where I'm like, do I have a heart? Because I didn't cry at that shit. But like, <laughs> I I feel like, I'm like, you've never screamed to the mountains. Where's my wife? How dare you? He's like, how dare you? What? Why is it always? You like- never did that. <laughs> that is the moment I was like, hmm, well, you don't love me. What did you say? <laughs> this is where like Bobby gets like caught up and like, okay, I love. So he always makes these comments like, um, how's your book? Which basically what he's asking is like, how horny is your book book making you <laughs> is really what he wants to know. So like, is it a good time or no? <laughs> yeah. So like, how's your book right now? Uh, just wondering, or it'll be like, Alexis like panting her hair. She's like, I'm so bad. How's that book treating you? Slash, how are you going to treat me? Um, but then it'll be like, she just got taken. Or it'll be like, I don't like this book you're reading because it'll be like, you know, something really awful. And he, and I'm like grumpy at him or mad. I don't like not this now, honey. Not now. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't like this book. But then when, when I read something, I listen. I look at him, and I'm just like, ugh. 
I'm just wondering how much you actually love me because you've never screamed such things like, where is my you've wife? You've never done this before. You've ne- also, side note, and then I swear we will move on. We've done a glass when we would act hard, guys. I swear. But like also in Kingdom of Ash, when he finally finds her and what he does. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Look, the thing is, is that Rowan is highly underrated because he's number the one. only time he's number one. Rowan over Reese. Rowan over Reese. Sorry, I said it. Yep. I said it. And I do have lots of thoughts it. about Reese and the other bad boys that we'll get to with Akatar, but Rowan over Reese to the end of time because Aelin over everyone and he's the only one that can match her. He's the ultimate. And I think that he would be more highly rated if that book wasn't YA and the only sex scene we had from him wasn't the beach one, which it's fine. It's great. But like, that's not, I don't feel like the beach is a true representation of like how Rowan gets down. If we were able to take him out of like a YA book and put him in like something else. I kind of thought the beach scene was like so corny and like. But it's also like the ultimate. I was so thirsty at that point. I accepted it. And I accepted anything. You love it in the moment. Is that like but also think about when you were 20 years old? It's like, no. Okay, but when you're 20 years old and you're thinking about how am I gonna lose my virginity? Oh, it's it's always it's it's on a beach. And it's gonna be so romantic. Sand in your vagina for like days and you're chafing, and it's actually a horrible experience. (laughs) Well, I've not had that experience, and we clearly all know now that you have. But I agree. I agree. Here's maybe take a towel or two. And um, don't be so spontaneous about it because it never works It doesn't go like you think it's going to go. I just feel like if we were truly like when we talk about like all these other books we read, right? We get like a better representation of how people get down because we are writing it for the character. This wasn't written so much for the characters. It was for like the overall vibe. Yeah. Because when Rowan and Aelin get down, it doesn't look like that. Like in, if, if they were real, I was about to say in real life, like if they were real, in real life, their they personalities are, get down very about? different. I know, I know. <laughs> they are real. They yeah. might as well be to me. Like it's, it's, I have to keep reminding myself to not say in real life, but their character personalities, what's true to their personalities, that's not how they get down. Like they get down some crazy ish too. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like, I just need another bonus scene of their actual Again. true sex life. Cause I don't think the beach scene was doing justice, but whatever, this is, it's fine. This is the thing. I just need these, where are they now novellas? Like, and yeah, we need this like new and improved married older version of Sarah J. Mass who wrote Silver Flames to write these novellas and yeah, give us the shit we want. Like for Christmas, this is all I want Sarah J. Mass. Like, please, like just give me the, where are they now novella? And I've listened to some of her lives and she is like admitted that like she has scenes for like Dorian and Manon. She has scenes for Rowan and Aelin like already written of like in advance, but like she just never released them. And I'm like, don't even tell me that. Like, don't even tell me that. Makes me do it. Don't tell me. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I don't, I don't like um, to disparage other females, but like this makes me want to get real fired up. Sarah J. Mass that this shit exists in the world and it is not in my hands. Like, just go fires me up. So So that is my Rowan take. I have another final thought with Aelin and like losing her powers at the end, but I'm going to wait and bring that back to tie in with Nesta to Farah and Nesta at the end of Akatar because to me, it's a common theme that SJM does. And we will touch on that when we get through Agatar. That's where I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to pin Throne of Glass for now, okay. but we will come you're back to the my pages. conclusion. 
Yeah, I, I really want to hear, hear those pages turning. 